welcome to the HR Grapevine podcast. This is a special edition of the podcast and part of a series we are bringing to you in partnership with Achievers. Achievers offer employee recognition that is changing the way the world works with solutions that leverage the science behind behaviour change to deliver sustainable, data-driven business results anywhere in the world. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and this week I'm joined by Dr. Natalie Baumgartner, who is the Chief Workforce Scientist at Achievers. This is the first podcast of a four-part series with Achievers, and we are delighted to welcome Dr. Natalie as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. series, we will take a deep dive into Achievers 2020 culture report and cover four key recommendations, breaking them down and discussing their potential impact to the culture of your organisation. So Dr. Natalie, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the HR Grapevine podcast, albeit virtually. But before we get started, perhaps you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Achievers. Lovely. Thank you so much, Sophie. I'm, I'm so pleased to be here with you. As you mentioned, I'm the Chief Workforce Scientist at Achievers, and uh, it's quite a mouthful of a title that I often think really just says that I'm the resident engagement and culture nerd here at Achievers. I oversee our Workforce Institute, which is our home for our workforce science researchers, our data scientists, and our analysts. And together, we partner with um, every function across the Achievers organization to ensure that everything we do as an employee experience platform, everything that we deliver to the business arena, whether it's thought leadership, our services, or our technology, is rooted in rigorous workforce science. And um, and so that's really the, the main focus of the work we do to empower the mission that Achiever serves. Okay, fantastic. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to be covering one of the four key recommendations in the report. Today, we are going to be focusing on cultural alignment. But before we kind of get into the nitty gritty and talk through some of the report's findings and hear some best practice tips from Dr. Natalie, perhaps you want to start off by just telling us what actually cultural alignment means. Sure. I think it's important first to define culture because the people have so many different definitions of, of that term. And we think of culture at the Achievers Workforce Institute as how you do things in your organization. Um, that's made up of a small set of values. We recommend four to six, typically, that define how you want to do business. And then culture alignment is then the extent to which everything you do as a company, how you hire, how you develop, how you engage your people, and much more, everything you do is aligned with those values. Okay, so as you say, it kind of incorporates a lot of the things that, um, you know, the HR function is tasked with looking after. And of course, you know, making decisions that align to company values is particularly crucial and something that has definitely been widely spoken about and documented throughout the course of the pandemic. For example, you know, companies have been recognised for making decisions in the interests of staff and for having strong corporate values, while others have been kind of publicly scrutinised when practices have fallen short of staff expectations. And particularly with us being in the pandemic and the challenging times that we face, why would you say that cultural alignment matters so much? Well, it's a great question because 
because culture alignment really needs, I believe, to be viewed by organizations as a way of doing business, as a, a true mandate for how they operate. We know that organizations with strong culture alignment are six times more profitable than their competition. And what's interesting about that is it doesn't matter what those core values are, what those four to six values are. They can be any values, frankly, that are meaningful to the organization and the organization is rallied around. Um, but when organizations ensure that what they do, the way that they practice in their business on a day-to-day basis is aligned with those values, they are far more productive as an organization. The Achievers Workforce Institute 2020 Culture Report showed that companies with better culture alignment have much higher employee engagement. And and we believe that's, you know, one of those factors that's driving that greater profitability. And And we might ask, you know, why is that, right? So why do organizations with strong culture alignment have higher employee engagement? Well, at the core, we believe it's just this consistency and certainty. When organizations ensure that their leaders from the very top all the way through their managers and their individual employees all have the same both priorities, but also values that serve as the lens through which they attack those priorities and drive results. When that consistency is there, when everyone's rowing in the same direction through that same set of values, we know that employees feel clear about what their purpose is, that organizations find decision-making easier, and that the results really convey that that alignment is not just a nice thing to have, but actually allows the business to function much more effectively. So, I mean, from what you've said there, it definitely seems as though culture alignment and if done properly and well executed can have huge benefits for employers and indeed the HR function. But moving on to some of the data revealed in the 2020 culture report, which I referred to earlier. One part of the report focused on um, changing cultural alignment both before and during the pandemic, and this was according to senior leaders. And areas such as strategic planning, comms, hiring and budget decisions were, among other things, were compared in the data set. And there were two parts of this bar graph that I found most interesting. The first was that professional development became less aligned during the pandemic. So, for example, pre-pandemic, 30% of senior leaders who responded to the study said that they were very aligned aligned before the pandemic, yet only 23% said that professional development was very aligned during COVID. So there's, you know, an obvious drop there. What do you think a possible reason for this is, Masley? Right. In terms of professional development, I, I, I don't think it's surprising that we became less aligned as a, as a business arena, a, a global business arena. You know, really, COVID is a, is a crisis. And so organizations have been really in survival mode to a large extent. And so when we're in survival mode, we go to sort of the hierarchy of critical importance and, you know, development gets deprioritized as something that's, you know, nice to have. It's something that's, you know, will will leverage in the future, but is, you know, not something that, that rises to the top of the list during that crisis. Now, that said, we know that this pandemic is continuing. We, we don't have an end in sight here. And so it's really important, we believe, that organizations begin to bring it back into the fold and to prioritize the importance of professional development. It's a crucial engagement factor. We know it drives engagement to a very large extent. And, um, and then employees, you know, start to register the fact that no, we're in it for the long haul. It's important that they feel that their organization is going to attend to their development. And um, even more so as the economy stabilizes, 
you want to ensure that our employees are not looking elsewhere for that sort of development. And so I would really encourage companies to, even though there are burning issues every single day that might seem to stand above professional development, it's important to keep our you know, our fingers on the importance of that um, critical engagement factor, even now. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, as you said earlier, about, you know, deprioritizing personal development. But something that definitely has been a priority is work flexibility and flexible working, particularly during the pandemic. And this is on the flip side in terms of the bar chart. Work flexibility saw an increase in alignment during the pandemic. For example, pre-pandemic, 35% of senior leaders said that their organisations were very aligned, with 42% saying the same during COVID-19. So what do you think this data is really telling us? And why do you think that there has been a shift, particularly during the pandemic? You know, I believe most organizations see value in flexibility. If you talk to senior leaders, most leaders of organizations, most HR leaders see that value. But flexibility, work-life balance is hard to implement within organizations. The needs of every individual are different. It makes it, you know, it's more difficult to manage from a scheduling perspective, a tracking perspective. And so I would suggest that pre-pandemic, it was a value, but not priority. And really the pandemic forced the issue because it was no longer, you know, a a nice to have attribute of a workplace. It now was requisite for operating in a pandemic. We know that organizations must be flexible in terms of how their employees are managing their daily work life as they are, you know, struggling with balancing working and educating their children remotely, caring for loved ones, perhaps. And so it's really become a a factor within organizations that has risen to the top. Again, we were just talking about priorities that ensuring flexibility is something that has caught the eye of most senior leaders and, you know, most HR leaders. And so from my perspective, that's really a silver lining of the pandemic that we've started to prioritize and push ourselves as organizations and as leaders to think about, to get creative about how we maintain flexibility for our employees um, because we know that, that that's a huge protective factor during this really you know, unusual and challenging time. Of course, you know, we've spoken about how cultural alignment has changed in different areas of the organisation, both before and during COVID-19, according to senior leaders. But um, another section of the report really drills down into how cultural alignment has changed by country. And one of the the findings that I think our listeners would be most interested to hear about is that the overall alignment is lower in the UK than in other countries. And this is even before the coronavirus pandemic hit. So I was wondering to get your thoughts on what you think the possible reasons for this are. Perhaps is it not being considered as much of a priority? It's a great question. And the truth is that we need to do more research to find out why we're seeing this difference with UK organisations right even before covid and there are, there are a couple as a researcher i you know immediately said okay there were a couple of possibilities here one certainly is could it be that uk companies are not as values focused as their counterparts in the us and canada and australia um you know perhaps they again are looking at other factors driving business performance and prioritizing those over over a values focus another possibility is that Leaders in in these UK organizations are aligning with values, but aren't as practiced at communicating that values alignment. So they might be going to great lengths to ensure that their business operations and business decisions are um, aligned with those those core values, but not explicitly communicating 
about the alignment of those decisions. So I, you know, I think the answer to which is it, or perhaps, you know, another another answer that we we haven't even identified yet still remains outstanding, but it's certainly caused us a moment of pause and it gives us something really interesting to delve into as we continue our research on culture alignment to understand more about what this looks like in the UK and and how we can continue to support our organizations around the world in understanding and then easily implementing values alignment. And I think there are, you know, there certainly are easy ways to do it. It doesn't have to feel like an overwhelming task. And one of our missions is to share this information in, um, in an effort to make the act of aligning one's culture feel much more attainable to any organization. And I suppose, you know, from the discussion in the podcast, I think our listeners will agree that it's very clear that, you know, cultural alignment does play an important role in the workplace. As was referenced earlier, you know, it can help with bottom lines. And I suppose there is also the argument that organisations that practice this well may be able to recover from the pandemic in a much stronger way. And I'm sure there will be employers out there that will acknowledge that cultural alignment is really important, but will be thinking, how am I able to do this better in my organisation? So with that being the case, what would be your best practice tips for HR leaders wanting to improve alignment? Well, the first step is to be really clear about those core values that your organisation wishes to follow, that North Star. Again, I, I, I mentioned keeping that list small. Four to six is a great number. It's a great sort of framing to have because we as individuals can remember four to six values as we go about our work day and as we make decisions, as we communicate. And um, and so that's why we focus on that set of values and making sure that they're unique to your organization. So, so first getting your values squared away is most important. And then we bring it back to three key factors, communication, recognition and action. And we've been talking about these three factors for years. And so it was really affirming to see the data that came out in the culture report showing that the top three aspects of alignment when it comes to impacting engagement are communication, recognition, and company strategy. And so it's great to get that science-backed confirmation of of our model. And, And so what does it look like in practice? Communication, use those values. That's why it's so important to get clear on what they are right from the get-go. So using those values in your communications, making sure that you're talking about them regularly and making sure that they're they're part of the vernacular within your company. When something gets announced, when a decision is made, making sure that you're incorporating those values into that communication and, and the importance of that coming from the top. So from the very top, we need senior leaders taking a stand on the importance of of values and making sure they're talking about it in really powerful and meaningful ways. Next is recognition. We know that what gets recognized gets repeated. And so values-based recognition absolutely drives values-based behavior. We know that to be true. We have research that supports that finding. And so the more that organizations can ensure that what they're recognizing is behavior that's associated with the values that they wish their organization to be living by, the more that that will feed the importance of those values. It will encourage people to continue to operate according to those values. And that's how we grow a truly aligned culture. And then last is action. So ensuring that the decisions you make as an organization, what gets prioritized, 
where resources are invested, what actions get taken. Making sure that those are in line with your values is really critical because then the organization knows that you're not only identifying and speaking to the importance of your values, but you're putting them to action within your company. And um, I I always try to make sure, especially during this time of, you know, during this pandemic to, to say that sometimes we have to make decisions that are misaligned with our values, right? There's been a lot of tough decisions that have had to be made during this COVID-19 pandemic. And that's the reality of business during crisis. Even when that occurs though, we can talk about as an organization, the fact that they are, those decisions might be out of line with our values and why. And it might not sound this way, but that actually builds culture because it tells our organization that even when we can't, Uh, make decisions in alignment with our values, they're top of mind. And we're making those decisions intentionally. And it really bolsters the organization's impression of and belief around how important values are to our company. And it sets up to back to the beginning of our conversation. It sets up and reinforces the importance of consistency and clarity and predictability around how culture is driving the way that we do business. Well, thank you for sharing those tips with us. And it seems that there's definitely lots of different things for both employers and HR to consider. But as Dr. Natalie pointed towards, there are three main areas that can be kind of broken down to and and actioned. I'd just like to say a special thank you to Dr. Natalie, Chief Workforce Scientist at Achievers, for joining us today. To find out more about cultural alignment, we have included some links below to the Achievers Fall 2020 Culture Report. If you're interested to hear more from Dr. Natalie and myself, join us again in four weeks where we will continue the discussions around supporting managers and what it means for you. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content. So to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit hrgrapevine.com. 